There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to Deep Fried Thoughts from Yellow Belly Restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. Michael Friedberg, special guest today, Jay Farrakane from Angry Bovine. Take it away. All right. So um, Jay had me speak at his series a couple months ago. And when he introduced me, I think it was one of the most convoluted introductions. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty much going to have to return to favor here because uh, Jay is a man of many talents. Um, Angry Bovine is his design studio uh, professor at CU Boulder. Only by title, not by degree. Only by title. Um, and elbow patches on his blazer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, also um, just a kind of all-around creative, awesome guy. Um, how's that for an intro? Adequate. I think might be over, 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 uh, exemplifying my abilities, but I'll take it. Yeah. So, um, so Jay does a lot in the cycling community. He's, um, a fixture on everyone's group ride. So if you, uh, <laughs> if you have a group ride and Jay isn't on it, um, hit well, I'm not up, telling people about it, hit him up on Instagram or Twitter. Um, so Jay, let's, uh, let's start with a little bit of, um, kind of athletic background. What, uh, you're, you're starting to launch into it, um, before we turn the mics on here. Uh, well, well, it was funny because, you know, when you talked, when I found out you're doing your podcast, which you never told me about, and then I was like, hey, man, I want to, I need to be a part of this. You've been a part of my deal. I got to be a part of your deal. That's how it works here. Um, and then you, then you kept going, well, maybe we'll just talk about design or maybe you'll talk about business because I, I do both of those things. And then I'm like, but look, man, I got like kind of an athletic background and I wasn't, you know, I'm not Mike Friedberg level. I wasn't hanging out with Johnny Mosley and stuff, but, uh, I definitely, uh, (laughs) I was. Uh, I think I've got a funny story as I made my way um, into athleticism. As a, I was definitely the last kid picked in, in kickball until I was about 14, and then I just dove my entire being and existence into uh, standing sideways on stuff, skateboards, snowboards, surfboards, whatever it was. Um, and then in that kind of three-year period, I was living in Hawaii at the time and then actually moved to Japan for a little bit. And... Uh, when I moved to Japan, it was almost like a survival skill because I didn't have many friends. We lived off base for a year. And so literally I kind of like, you know, your parents aren't going to drive you everywhere. Not in that day and age. The, today, maybe your parents would drive you everywhere. Yeah. But I was literally skating miles and miles and miles every day. And I just got better and better at it. And then, um, you know, that I think taking that into my semi-adult life and going to college and stuff, I actually picked up XC running just because I wanted to show guys that I was like, you're not going to drop me. You're not going to take me out of the game. And so I had this one, uh, you know, JV coach in college that was like, hey, you should come out and try out for XC. I think he was translating that basically there was a bunch of other derelicts on the team. And um, they're like, you know, hey, you, you might do okay in this. <laughs> um, so I got into XC running with the same intent that I took on skateboarding and surfing and, and, and snowboarding and uh, kind of applied myself to it and um, probably didn't approach it like most traditional athletes would, but... Um, 
I almost was always out there. Very little, uh, I think, DNA background, and it was all heart. And so, like, that's kind of been my staying point, even into cycling today. So yeah. that's kind of where my, my background started, at least. And so, I mean, you had quite a bit of success with the skateboarding. You were uh, Team Alva and yep. kind of all that. Can you kind of take us through a little bit of, of what that was? Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, the sponsored skateboarding world is kind of a funny thing. So, you know, you start out kind of like shop-sponsored kid and then maybe get some sort of ride with a, with a company. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a couple friends in the industry that they were like, hey, we want to start flowing you, you know, some product and stuff like that. And that really did start to make a difference. And I, you know, considered for a while, like, oh, you know, is this going to be, like, could I do this as, like, a living? And I remember even showing my mom some video that I had edited, like, I don't know, like, hand-edited with, like, tape and, you know, like, VHS material. And uh, she goes, wow, you're getting pretty good. And I was like, I was, like it was the best thing I'd ever heard. And uh, I go to the skate contest, like, about a week later, and um, with, like, big-name guys, like Salman Aga and stuff like that. And, and I remember going up this, like, big vert wall, and I could barely kick turn on the thing, and guys were doing, like, full inverts and tricks and stuff on it. I'm like, dude, maybe I should find another thing. But during this whole time, <laughs> I'm doing, like, art yeah. at that time. And so my friends who are turning pro all around me um, basically are like, hey, dude, can you draw a picture for my board and that kind of stuff? So um, I kind of made my started making my way into design. Most of this guys I knew... Um, too, that were in skateboarding or surfing or stuff like that, did art yeah. as like an additional kind of yeah, and that's one extension of, the that, of their thing. I mean, that's one of the things that we bonded over was sort of that DIY art where there's a lot of people that weren't necessarily wearing the moniker of artists, you know, doing art in this space. And right. so, um, so let's kind of switch gears here. And uh, so what exactly is Angry Bovine? Um, loosely termed, I think Angry Bovine is a... Uh, we call it a design collective, but really its intent is, is a, it's kind of a modern approach to being an independent designer. Um, I work with a lot of my clients in the way that an agency would. Um, my clients interface with me, they pick up the phone, they call me directly. Um, and then, you know, depending on the project, I kind of pull from my network of, uh, of friends and, and I'm able to staff up a job according to any project. So we can kind of really scale. Like, you know, I'm working on some pretty, pretty big brand stuff at the moment where, you know, you, an agency could be looking at the same level of work, but, you know, you've got two or three people on it really focused on mm -hmm. doing, um, you know, a committed job to it rather than having a bunch of people sitting in a pool in an agency and, you know, you're paying a lot of overhead. So, Yeah, and so one of your philosophies is design thinking for business. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of run our listeners through what, uh, what you mean by that? Yeah, I think the funny thing is, you, you know, you, being, an, you know, the art guy and coming out of design school and stuff like that, I, I think you leave design school often with this intent of, and, and this is going to date me, but I, you know, I thought I was going to leave design, leave design school and start designing CD covers. Like, I'm like, I'm going to design Aerosmith CD covers and Metallica. And then the CD industry blew up. And then you realize that there's like six people on earth that design that stuff. <laughs> and I was in the Silicon Valley at that time. And, and so you realize, well, there's a lot of software businesses out here. And, you know, you get into these meetings uh, with people at big companies and you're like whoa people really use this software and they're like yeah in fact most of the fortune 500 don't function without some of the software you know brands that i work with and you probably wouldn't know any of them but it was working in those institutions that i really realized that my job was less about making things look great and really about helping build effective communication and so um, in that you kind of have to step aside from you still do want them you want to make interest and you have to create interaction and deliver on emotion and things like that. But it doesn't mean making cool for cool's sake. It means making things that are very usable and extendable. 
Um, I happened to take a client-side creative direction job fairly early on in my career, and uh, I remember it, was, it really drove home the fact that if I screwed up, people lost their jobs. And like, meaning like, oh, a product didn't sell because it wasn't communicated effectively. It could be the best thing in the world, but if it left my hands and we didn't do a good job of explaining it, somebody, you know, could be losing out on the bottom line or their job, right? And so I took that process moving forward, and I really do believe that my job, whenever I interact with, whether it's a friend's band and I'm doing a logo for them, or it's a company who, you know, sells, like I said, enterprise software, um, I really don't see any difference. I'm trying to figure out how to make them communicate most effectively with their audience. So that's why I kind of put that moniker, we help businesses be built. We help businesses be better businesses through design thinking and doing, um, because my design, my approach is um, fairly pragmatic. You know, I, I'll listen to what my clients are saying, but I'm going to do enough of my own research and, and investigation to say, hey, I know what you're saying, but let's look at it from this point of view. And that's another luxury I have. I'm fairly, um, you know, not sitting in an agency, not tied to a big um, AOR kind of account yeah. thing. I can be a little bit more independent and. Um, I think truthful with my clients a lot of times. So I work to build those kind of relationships as well. Yeah, and it also affords you some time on a bike. Definitely. And so, um, you know, how does cycling kind of fit into your hmm. work life? I mean, I want to know a little bit more about your creative process. Yeah, so I think um, the bike factors in heavily because, you know, I'm super hyperactive ADD. I don't know if you got a sense of that ever in our interactions. <laughs> um, but uh, it is kind of like the Ritalin for me, right? Like, and, and so if I don't ride like in the morning before I get to work, I'm kind of all over the place. And um, I do a lot of thinking while sitting on the bike too. Um, you know, I ride, you know, I like to get up and ride early in the morning. So um, I sort through a lot of stuff in there. And uh, I think sometimes you'll, you know, because your subconscious is really active when you're working out and stuff like that, that some of your best problem solving um, kind of comes through in that way. A lot of times I have to kind of pull over and like jot a note down on my phone or something like that because I'm like, no way, that's the best way to facilitate that interaction or how to complete that like, you know, that thought for a brand or something. So um, that happens quite a bit. So it's pretty integral to me. I'm a miserable bastard, actually, if I'm not riding or running or um, doing something that, that kind of lets me have a little bit of a physical outlet to get my brain online. Yeah, and you still skate. I've, uh, I've skated your backyard mini ramp, yep. and so that's another kind of way to, would you say, to kind of get the creativity uh, pumping if, if you're at a... I think that, you know, that that's a, a way for me to uh, almost remain youthful in, in a sense because it's something that's so core to me that, you know, I cannot... I've, I've gone through periods where I haven't skated for months or a year even at a time, and, and I get a board, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I totally remember how to do this, and then you just go through this really, like, fantastic rediscovery of... Um, I can still do that thing yeah. or I can't and then you adapt it to do something else and I think that's one of the things too is that even long before I got into cycling cycling your success really comes out of how much you're willing to endure and um, skateboarding that was always my, my ticket was it, it taught me don't quit and mm. so I, I think the same is it's a very truthful like if I look at skateboarding cycling and, and especially my work ethic they're, they're all exactly the same you know it's mm. like get to the front make everybody like work with you and get yeah. and just get it done you know and that's another thing that we've kind of talked about that's interesting is um you know obviously with an athletic background work ethics everything but mm. i think that a lot of people like look at you you're a super creative guy covered in tattoos <laughs> i mean how do you how does work ethic manifest itself in creativity um Creativity is a funny thing because I look at, you know, a lot of people ask me, why don't you race so much anymore, you know? And uh, 
you know, I, I still do. I'll usually pick a, a, an event here or there, usually kind of some sort of old man event, like a distance thing, because my body seems to do well with that. But I think I have about a, min- a million finish lines or check-in points in all my work all the time. So I'm constantly in some sort of competition. Um, and so the, ra- the riding is, is like a little bit of an outlet. Um, but I think my work ethic, you know, I don't want anyone to ever have the misconception that the work that I do, that ev- round one, everything I put in front of a client is gold. Actually, it's probably not that that's not the truth at all um, a lot of times it's like hey we see some things there and I work with my clients very collaboratively and, and because they know so much more about their business than I Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Could ever know um, that I have to, like, I try and be, you know, almost a catalyst with them and work with them and say, hey, what about this? Or how are you feeling about this? Or what are some of your goals? Um, and then I can kind of bounce opportunity back and forth off of them. Um, but I really do rely on my clients to, to kind of give me corrective feedback. And then it comes to worth it, work ethic and how are you going to re-implement it or how are you going to recover from a slight falter and stuff like that, which happens a lot in creative. Yeah. It's not all, you know, sun and roses. you got to have a pretty bulletproof ego because a lot of times it's this isn't right or this is way off target. Yeah, you know? and I put designers on a super high pedestal because I've done a bunch in, uh, in, I guess, what would be considered the art world. Mm. And as an artist, I kind of feel like I'm pretty limited. I can only do what I do. I kind of have this you-can't-buy-what-I-don't-sell attitude. I, I am in awe of someone like you who is not only an artist but then has this extra gear of able to talk to a, a potential client and then produce something that they like. Mm. So I see the designer thing as, as certainly greater than an artist. But uh, I am curious, um, do you do any art for yourself? I mean, I know that the kind of bovine brand as it pertains to the collaborations with Handlebar Mustache and with um, with Panache are very much, you know, your your art. So yeah. can you speak about that a little I, bit? I think I get opportunities to be, I, I think when you, when most people talk about art, they're thinking through, they're thinking ex- expressive, some sort of self-expression. And um, I think I do get periods to do more self-expression. I think HP or Handlebar Mustache is a good example of that. Um, some of the pattern work that I do for Panache and stuff like that is more exemplary of like people letting me go a little bit wild. I have had clients though every once in a while say, hey, just, just bring the crazy. You know, <laughs> like no shit, I had this one guy and he used to tell me, bring the crazy. And, and every once in a while I would and I'd show him like some creative that was like definitely outside the norm. And uh, he'd always go, okay, cool. I'm, I'm gonna just, I just want to keep that on my desk <laughs> to make people laugh, but we're going to go with the, you know, the version one. Um, and, and, and I do do some like raw medium stuff. I think lately my art has been um, physically making things. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I live on a ranch, so uh, I built my office. Like to me, those are still expressive things. I want to I construct my space, I guess, is where I'm at with yeah. that. Um, but recently I just worked on this logo project where I got really inspired by a book that uh, – um, Michael Cody brought back for me oh, from cool. uh, Japan, and I got really inspired by this woodcut. 
and I wanted to see if I could replicate that in marker for a logo project, and I did. And a lot of I do a lot of stuff like that. Like I make books for my kids. Yeah, for each one of those books cool. um, are they may get utilized in design at uh-huh. some point, but they're actually real opportunities for me to explore a vernacular I might not. I mean, it's art because it's not yeah. really a client. Like. Yeah. I'm the client. Yeah, you're the and client. And designers are really good about putting stupid rules around themselves so that you feel like you're, you're not so arty and that yeah. you're working within parameters. So that's something yeah. I'm very guilty of. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what was the best – we'll kind of switch gears back to okay. athletics here. What was the best um, advice you received when you were an athlete? Two examples. I, I, you know, I was, uh, I was brushing up on my history on this because I was, I was listening to your previous <laughs> podcast, and I'm like, oh, he might ask me that question. Um, two things I saw, well, two, two things I think as archival moments in, in just who I went forward as an athlete or as a person. Um, one was when I was, a, I was a little kid living in Hawaii, and I, I say little kid, I was probably 13 or 14 years old, and I went to this skate demo, and I remember that it was super hot out, and, and I didn't have any money, and I got in line at McDonald's to go get a soda or something like this, and I didn't have enough money after I had ordered my drink. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And this dude bumps me in the back and, and throws some change on the counter. I turn around, and it's this skateboarder guy, Jesse Martinez, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to do that for every kid that I ever met. So when I was sponsored, I would go to skate parks and give kids stickers and throw T-shirts. And as, whatever I had to flow, I would flow because I wanted to be that guy. I wasn't really good. So, mm. I mean, I wasn't as good as, like, a lot of people. I could ride and, you know, do the things. Yeah. But I was, like, I was just so stoked to be doing what I was doing. Um, and then by the time I found cycling, there was a couple connection points that made it hard for me to get into cycling. A, Lycra. I went from like 90s baggy <laughs> point, you know, like 90s baggy pants and like, you know, thrashed vans to all of a sudden, like I would stand by my car and drop my pants and pull them back up because I had overshorts on, like ride diapers, yeah, I think yeah, you guys yeah. call them now. And like, I would be like, drop them, pull them back up. I can't do that. I can't do yeah. that. And, um, I struggled so, with that. I struggled with that in the early. Yeah. You and, know, and when, it, when I saw that they had uh, suspenders, that was kind of an odd moment for I'm me. I'm like, do you wear those over your yeah, jersey? Like, Are they under the, the jersey? Cool kid, yeah. What are cool kids doing? <laughs> exactly. And so uh, I remember reading a, um, an excerpt from uh, um, the Bob Key book where he talked about being on tour and uh, they were dragging around a milk carton full of punk rock albums and they would drink whiskey every once in a while. And I'm like, well, maybe I can be a part of this sport. And I guess <laughs> I didn't think there's a third one. It was reading about, um, it was something that Ned Overin said. Um, where was uh, the person who's willing to suffer the most on a particular day is the guy who wins. And, again, not having real, like, genetic talent mm. and, and it being, like, you know, if I was angsty and pissed off, I didn't think many people were going to actually get ahead of me for very long at least, yeah. you know? And so I kind of took those two, two or three pieces of experience and information to kind of really form a lot of who I believe I am as an athlete. Cool. And yeah. so what advice would you give to someone athletically? understand yourself I think I I meet so many people that are like I want to get better at this and I know that there's lots of coaching programs and stuff like that but I think your best monitor for who you are um, as an athlete is yourself and I think very few people trust um, themselves to kind of do that read lots of books go on the internet you know like form your own opinion about who you are and who you Mm -hmm. want to be Um, it's great to go get help I mean like I think how fortunate we are like that you can you can literally pick from 20 to 30 coaches in this area that have all either had Olympic experience or something like that. But I remember teaching myself 
you know, how to eat, how to ride. I lived in a house. Like, there was a very, there was much more of a tribal methodology to it uh-huh. when I was kind of cycling. I lived in a house full of cyclists. And then we were all, like, crappy cat. Like, I think there was a range of, like, cat twos to cat fives in our house. <laughs> but it was, like, dudes, like, okay, I'm going to go buy all this oatmeal and cook it. Or one dude would, like, make a bunch of eggs. And, you know, so it was, like, a weird thing. Like, dude would leave the house. And literally, I, I remember getting up one morning and one of my roommates leaves. And he comes back in, like, two seconds later, bloody. And I'm like, and I'm like, what happened? He goes, dude, I drove out of the driveway into a car. And like, that was just like our life. Like, you know, he like literally turned out of the driveway, looked one direction, rode in the back of a van. Um, so, you know, it was, I think there's those experiences though of living that life. Mm. Um, whereas I meet some people today and I'm like, you're a cat too? And how long have you been racing? And they're like, oh, like two years, dude. And I'm like, how did you do that? You know? So anyway. Yeah. Access to information is yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, and what's the what's the best advice you've gotten as a businessman? Get a lawyer. Honestly, yeah. John Schoenberg, when I went out on my own, Shoney. Shoney's with TDA. Shoney at TDA tells me, told me, um, he goes, you have a lawyer? And I remember thinking, like, that's a weird thing for you to ask. And uh, so uh, I think about my t- second or third year in as bovine, you know, I was working as a, I was working with this one client and... Uh, the guy on the phone says, uh, well, I guess I'm going to have to get my lawyer involved. And I was like, what do you mean? And then, <laughs> and then so, like, next person I called was Shoney. And, uh, you got, you like, got Shoney's about, lawyer no, about involved. About a day, actually, I got, <laughs> I got a different lawyer, but uh, I got a lawyer and an accountant. I would say get two things that you want to do is, if you're starting any of your own businesses, is get a lawyer and get an accountant. So you already answered the second question, which is what advice would you give to business? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. I think that's what I would do. I would actually... I think the other thing in business is, is stay focused on what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, round 18 copy change is probably not my sweet spot. Um, I'm usually tuned out and beyond that thing already. So I have a, a, a pretty good apprentice workforce um, that helps me kind of keep my head above water on that kind of stuff because projects do drag out. Um, but, uh, you know, I was told early on when I started Bovine, um, actually a client of mine said, you're really good at what you do, but you're horrible at you know, project management. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's rad because I never wanted to do anything with calendars or spreadsheets <laughs> anyway. So yeah. um, so now I kind of offload that onto yeah. uh, other folks to help me keep it going. Cool. The last thing I wanted to touch on is uh, one of the things that you do for our community here in Boulder that's really cool is caffeinated mornings. Mm-hmm. And so um, you were just talking about that sort of access to information. And uh, so can you just tell everyone a little bit about uh, caffeinated real quick? Yeah. So uh, caffeinated was started, gosh, three years ago. I'm like so amazed by that. Um, I was doing some uh, brand work for uh, um, a co-working space uh, here in town uh, that was one of the first kind of collaborative co-working spaces. There was a marketing agency in there. It's still called Atomic 20. Um, They're upstairs in a little bit of a different kind of venue now. But we went in there and um, developed the visual brand for them. And um, they really wanted to be a part, an active part of the design and and entrepreneurial community. Um, And so the idea was that you could have designers... um, coders and entrepreneurs all sitting in a room together and then the marketing agency could harvest from that talent um, and then they asked me what I would do there and I don't know if you've ever spent time in my office but I kind of have design Tourette's and so it's not uncommon for me to you know be playing very loud music most of the day and then shout angry things at my uh, at my computer when my computer's not working right or you know design's not coming together um, and so caffeinated was an effect to uh, give the community an anchor point to come together. Um, you know, somebody had said, hey, we got this space for you. you what would you want to do here? And I'm like, I always wanted to build an event where we would showcase 
Um, it started out originally as designers and being a designer myself, I'm like, we're not the most interesting people and it's um, on earth. And so we've extended it to architects and uh, creative directors and writers and filmmakers and photographers and anyone who really makes something yourself, you know, yeah. you as an artist and I think as an entrepreneur fit that mold um, really well. So the series is a, a first Friday series um, that really is just about showcasing um, you know, the creative talent, what's going on here, and then giving our creative space a place to come together that's not a lynda.com, like, meetup to do drop shadows. It's more about, like, how do I stay inspired, and do people mm. I admire run into challenges, and do they feel, or, you know, feel self, self-doubt at any point, and how do they overcome it? Mm. Um, I always want people to leave caffeinated, you know, inspired and ready to tackle their day in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. Um, and so that's my goal with that. Yeah. And my complaint with caffeinated every week is that uh, Jay moderates it, but um, I always uh, would like to hear a little bit more about uh, Jay and what he's thinking. So um, it was really nice having you on the show um, and getting a chance Thanks to do that. Thanks for having me, man. I really and then, appreciate uh, it. You know, if you can just let everyone know um, where they can find out about caffeinated, where they can find out about bovine, any other projects that you want to plug or yeah. uh, give people um, access to totally, totally. more info. Um, you can see all my work at angrybovine.com. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter handles are the same thing at Angry Bovine. If you want to just follow the stupid uh, ranch, weird bike design life that I lead, um, sometimes skateboarding, sometimes corralling kids and animals. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you want to check out any of our uh, work recently, our collaborative work with uh, uh, Brett at HB Stash, check out hbstash.com and uh, we've got shirts and bottles and all sorts of stuff over there. And caffeinated morning, uh, caffeinated mornings.com. Yeah. All right. Well, so, thanks a lot, Jay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.